wherever you are. I'm here at the home office and so glad to be jumping into the book of Revelation this morning. We are on a journey through this um, pretty amazing book and it's been super encouraging. Hope you've been encouraged by it. We are into Revelation 16 this morning. First of all, of course, the preliminaries representing with the Lucky Goat mug. One of the reasons I love this mug, besides its high quality, is that I can hold it in my right hand and display the logo for the world to see versus it's usually the other way for, for some reason on most of my other mugs. But anyway, that's not why you're here. We're here to study Revelation 16. I'm going to, it's a little bit longer, but I'm going to go ahead and read it because we're going to be referencing it quite a bit. And this is seven, uh, Revelation 16, the seven bowls of God's wrath. Let's, let's listen to the word of God. Then I heard a loud voice from the temple telling the seven angels, go and pour out on the earth the seven bowls of the wrath of God. So the first angel went and poured out his bowl on the earth and harmful and painful sores came upon the people who bore the mark of the beast and worshiped its image. The second angel poured out his bowl into the sea, and it became like the blood of a corpse, and every living thing died that was in the sea. The third angel poured out his bowl into the rivers and springs of water, and they became blood. And I heard the angel in charge of the water say, Just, uh, just are you, O holy one, who is and who was, for you brought these judgments. For they have shed the, bloods of, the blood of saints and prophets, and you have given them blood to drink. It's what they deserve. And I heard the altar saying, Yes, Lord God, the Almighty, true and just are your judgments. The fourth angel poured out his bowl on the sun, and it was allowed to scorch people with fire. They were scorched by the fierce heat, and they cursed the name of God, who had power over these plagues. They did not repent and give him glory. The fifth angel poured out his bowl on the throne of the beasts, and its kingdom was plunged into darkness. People gnawed their tongues in anguish and cursed the God of heaven for their pain and sores. They did not repent of their deeds. The sixth angel poured out his bowl on the great river Euphrates, and its water was dried up to prepare the way for the kings from the east. And I saw, coming out of the mouth of the dragon and out of the mouth of the beast and out of the mouth of the false prophet, three unclean spirits like frogs. For they are demonic spirits, performing signs who go abroad to the kings of the whole earth to assemble them for battle on the great day of God the Almighty. Behold, I am coming like a thief. Blessed is the one who stays awake, keeping his garments on, that he may not go about naked and be seen exposed. And they assembled them at the place that in Hebrew is called Armageddon. The seventh angel poured out his bowl into the air, and a loud voice came out of the temple from the throne, saying, It is done. And there were flashes of lightning, rumblings, peals of thunder, and a great earthquake, such as there had never been since man was on the earth, so great was that earthquake. The great city was split into three parts, and the cities of the nations fell, and God remembered Babylon the great, to make her drain the cup of the wine of the fury of his wrath. And every island fled away, and no mountains were to be found. And great hailstones, about one hundred pounds each, fell from heaven on people, and they cursed God for the plague of the hell, because the plague was so severe. Let's pray. Lord, to our modern sensibilities, um, passages like this just um, are shocking in their imagery. They're shocking in their theology. Um, but Lord, we're not here to 
to tell you what it means to be God. You are here to tell us who you are, to reveal who you are, and for us to order our lives accordingly. And Lord, you've told us that this is for our great sovereign joy and good. And so Lord, open our eyes this morning anew. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So this is the last of the third series of visions. Remember, there were the seals, there were the trumpets, and now they are the bowls. They're all telling the same redemptive story. They're all spanning the 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 horizon of human history from the first return of Christ to the second return of Christ. They're all just telling the story in a little bit different way, their own creative perspective, emphasizing different aspects of the story. But here, what we have with the bowls of wrath, it's very clear these are God's response to what the church has been praying for 2,000 years and even longer. So if you go back to Revelation 6, verses 9 through 11, remember this, this we looked at this a while back, and, and it's a prayer that the people of God are praying in every era and every generation. Verse 9, chapter 6, When he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain for the word of God and for the witnesses they had borne. They cried out with a loud voice, O sovereign Lord, holy and true, how long before you will judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth? Um, so, so there's a prayer that God's people are always praying. God, how much longer? God, um, we are being persecuted. God, our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, their lives are being taken. And again, this has been the normative um series of things, event of things over the course of, of human history and the events of the, of the church. And now we're calling upon you to avenge our blood. We're calling on you to avenge our brothers and sisters. Now, to our comforted Western ears, these, these things sound so harsh, do they not? They, I mean, they remind us of the imprecatory Psalms, right? Where Psalms where David and the Psalm writers are calling out judgment and wrath upon their perpetrators, their enemies, and we think we've always been taught to forgive and love our enemies, and we it's not right to pray like that as New Testament believers. Well, it's not such a it's not such a simple picture. Absolutely, God calls us to pray for our enemies. Absolutely, we are called to entrust vengeance and retribution to the Lord, but but vengeance and retribution are a part of the character of God. And, and we don't want to divorce ourselves from the real pain and reality of, of what it means to be unjustly persecuted, right? Um, all of us as parents can, can and think, well, we can all sympathize with this. If something were to happen to our, one of our children who was unjust, of course we would be crying out to God. Of course we would be um, asking God to make it right. Um, if if one of our children lost their lives at the hand of an evildoer or a murderer, even while we may be praying for that murderer, we are also calling out to God, crying out to God. I think about Fred Goldman and his son, Ron Goldman, that was that was murdered by O.J. Simpson. And, and we, we can identify with his pain, can we not? As parents, every chance he gets, he's in front of the camera uh, in the news, and he's talking about how painful it is to lose his son and how he... He, he, wants, he wants things to be made right, justice to prevail. Now, of course, what's missing there 
is there has to be a whole cat another category for atonement and forgiveness but again we can't have those things apart from um, the justice of god and so this is part of god's response to those who will not repent to those who will not change and these are woes and so we think about a benediction as as a speaking of god's grace and mercy um May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine upon you. Jesus has has talks about this in the Beatitudes. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. Well, we don't have a malediction here. Uh, I mean, a benediction. We have a malediction. This is where God is, is sending forth um, these judgments and his wrath upon those who will not repent. And the way that um, John talks about this, the way he organizes this, is that he kind of he kind of pictures these as typological judgments. In other words, he uses the plagues of the judgments in Egypt uh, that Moses, God through Moses brought upon Pharaoh, and he he uses those as types, as figures to point towards the kinds of judgment that God is always pouring out on those who will not turn to him. And and he's drawing a good bit on Old Testament history here, you know, where these foreign nations like Babylon and Assyria and others would, the Persians would come and invade and conquer Israel. It was a part of God's judgment against Israel. And and he's using these these this imagery to tell us what these these judgments from God against an unrepentant world look like. Now the first five bulls, okay. I think you can sum them up in this way in saying that they are all the judgments of God that deprive the people of earth from earthly security, okay? Whether it be economically, um, medically, natural disasters, okay? Uh, Something that happens to our physical bodies. You know, nothing will get the attention of the world faster than something that threatens our physical existence, right? And we we've seen that in this in this era of COVID, um, the the when, when when there is no future hope, when there is no eternal hope, and this life is all there is, okay, for people, then they're going to do everything they can to hold on it, hold on to it at any cost, okay. Um, so much so, okay, it becomes an idol. So much so that economic security and physical security and medical security and all those things become um, idols into themselves, which is very easy for us even as Christians to fall into. But the whole point of these things is God sending them upon the world so the world will repent and the world does not repent. Okay. And so that's the point, I think, of the first, these first five bowls. The bowls six and seven are really, I think, speaking to that final judgment, right? And again, um, John is drawing upon this imagery from the plagues in Egypt, and and he references a couple of you know um, prophetic apocalyptic hot buttons here, things like Armageddon, and and again I think these are all meant to be figurative, right? I think these are meant to be um, this idea that kings remember always came from the east when they were conquering, okay, for the nation of Israel, and here. Um, John seems to be saying, just as kings came from the east in prior times, just as plagues came upon as judgments from God uh, upon the nations around them, 
Um, this is the same sort of thing that's happening in the final judgment, except God is the invading army, okay? Except God is the one bringing these judgments. And there's going to be an intensification of evil um, as we approach the, 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 the final judgment. Verse 13 is interesting, okay? Because it says, And I saw coming out of the mouth of the dragon, out of the mouth of the beast, and out of the mouth of the false prophet, unclean spirits. Remember, this is the unholy triumphant. You know, the, the Satan, the beast, the false prophet. Again, which is Satan, and then his two emissaries that he uses to, to threaten and, and bring evil upon mankind, which is the deception, um, which is which are world empires. All these things are always persecuting the church. But I think what we see here is that that all the way up to the time that Christ returns, there is going to be this progression of the gospel and this progression of evil, kind of in equal progressions. Okay, so as the as as gospel is going forth and being spread to all the nations, evil is intensifying. Okay, in fact, evil. Satan knows his time is short, and so we should not be surprised that as the gospel breaks forth into new areas and new lands and new people groups and new cultural spheres, that the intensification of evil also parallels it, okay? Because Satan is fighting back. Um, ultimately, his time is short. And as we see in this chapter, God's judgments and wrath will be poured out upon him as well. Now, what's the point for us as believers today? I think, again, we find this in verse 15, and Jesus is speaking. He says, Behold, I am coming like a thief. Blessed is the one who stays awake and keeps his garments on, that he may not go about naked and be seen exposed. What's the whole point of this? Well, we hear about this, you know, Jesus comes like a thief in the night. And that, that's always, meant, Paul tells us that. What's meant to be conveyed there is the idea that Jesus' second coming will be um, at a time that the world is not expecting. Okay, It will be sudden. It, there will not be time once Jesus appears to get yourself ready. Right, You have to be ready before he comes. And so this idea of keep your garments on and such means like a soldier for battle, dress with your armor on, okay? Dress with your full battle garb and attire um, draped around you. Always be ready for battle. This is Paul's call and admonition, right, in Ephesians 6, um, in terms of spiritual warfare, putting on the full armor of God. We don't want to be, I mean, nothing I like better than, than like hunkering down on a cold winter or cool fall evening around the fire, um, shoes kicked off, eating, watching something, enjoying the family. Um, and the last thing I like to, 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 the last thing that I want to happen during that time is for us to be interrupted, right? For I have to run out to the store and get somebody, get something or somebody run out of gas down the road or whatever. Um, rather, okay. Um, I like that place. Well, a lot of times, Spiritually, though, that sort of mindset can be a real detriment, can be a real death to us, okay? We always want to be having um, the full armor of God on, being dressed, ready for battle, uh, prepared, spiritually prepared, right? And so we want, that means we think about Peter, Satan is prowling around like a roaring lion, seeking to conquer and devour. We want to be on our guard. We want to be 
Minutemen, spiritual Minutemen and women ready at that moment's notice um, to pray, to be ready, to be in the spirit, okay, because evil is happening all around us and will continue to happen until Christ returns, but we can place our hope in Jesus and the power of the gospel at the same time. So that's Revelation 16. Uh, Tomorrow, same time, same station, Revelation 17, the great prostitute and the beast. It should be uh, lots of fun. No, it'll be really good. So hope you join us. Let's pray. Lord, take these strange sounding oracles of woe and use them to open our eyes to the reality of a fallen world, a sinful world, a, a demonic world. And Lord, help us know that, that, that we ought not to fear this because you've overcome the world. Um, Lord, we do want to be alert. We want to be awake. We want to be prepared in season and out of season. And so, Lord, we pray for your grace in this. And Lord, we commit our day to you. In your name we pray. Amen. Thanks. See you tomorrow.